0: Drink check? No, not drink check. (laughs) (laughs) I hate drink check. It should go the same way as hat check, which has slowly tailed off as we've bullied Steve out of wearing hats by constantly mentioning when he's wearing hats. He's put a hat on. He's (laughs) put put a hat on.
1: Hat 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 check. check. Steve's got a hat on. (laughs) Is there a type of hat? Yeah. Which is... um, (laughs) Is there a type of hat which is acceptable to wear when you want to protect your gradually exposed scalp? So a kipper? that is <laughs> that is right? that, that is acceptable to wear, but like not all. Well, but that's the question. Is there? I, I wear baseball caps to protect my head. When sure, it's yeah,
0: but it's too but, much coverage,
1: and sometimes they look a bit you. Ju- no, you get a bit juvenile, don't you? In a in a baseball cap. Yeah. Sometimes.
0: Well, Steve wears them because he's. Constantly trying to recapture his youth. Yeah, exactly. He
1: wants, he that's wants why to he carries like, a skateboard which, as well. By the way, he, was, wants to look, he wears his high socks with his dickies and he yeah, carries a skateboard and he wants to wear his baseball cap
2: backwards. Yeah, desperately backwards. trying to recapture my youth, which was terrible. So I don't know what yeah, I know. I'm doing. Well, that's the <laughs> yeah. thing. You're, Steve,
1: you're, I mean, you know, to be, to be your therapist uh, for a second, you're trying to constantly capture the youth you never had. Yeah. Oh, oh I'm crying. What if
0: I could do it right this time is what yeah. you're kind of. What if I, yeah. if I could do it all but better? I could
2: do it right, but overweight and hairy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like Robin Williams in that film. Oh god. Uh, Jack, Jack. Good film. Not, not a good film. Not good, a good film. film. Good terrible film. Terrible it's film. film. It's not a good film.
1: Good film. film. Almost <laughs> as good as the bicentennial man.
0: Do you know do you know that Jack is directed by the same director as The Godfather? Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's how insane is that? Yeah.
0: Look, anyway. Hello. And welcome to well, What you Is Music. We didn't answer my question,
1: Adam. What? What, what, what kind of want? hat? Kipper!
0: I'm Hello, and kipper. welcome to What Is Music, a music podcast about music. We're a podcast that focuses on discographies in their entirety, doing deep dives on one artist at a time. And you join us in season four, which is called Is It Rad In Your Head? A critical analysis of the history, cultural impact, and music of Radiohead. We're going through their entire career, album by album, track by track, asking questions like, does context matter when you're listening to music? Does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation of their output? And this season, we're of course asking, Is it rad in your head? Just to be clear, we're asking, is it rad in your head in regards to the band Radiohead, not is it rad in your head in regards to this, the fourth season of our podcast, which is, I'll admit, called Is It Rad in Your Head, and which is now in your head. I'm Adam Scott Glassball. I'm a pathetic waste of space. Uh, I love the artistry, the emotion, and also the context that surrounds music. With me, as always, is someone who said they don't care about art or talking about art, doesn't often relate personally to music, but technically isn't scared of music. It is, of course... Lucas Way.
1: I take up all too much space.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. In the middle of that, we have someone who can appreciate context, art and subject matter, but also slides around on the slippery floor of just liking things because, fuck it, Twitter told me to. Steve Murphy. (laughs) I like space. Do you? Yeah. Good. Cool, well,
1: you've all seen the picture recently. Yeah, I've seen those space. pictures of the, the it's, space. It's the, wallpaper. it's the wallpaper on my phone. Oh, I, uh, re- which one? Replaced me? a picture of my new bride with a uh, picture of space.
2: <laughs> yeah. Which could have which... billions of new brides in that picture. So many, you, many
0: new brides. Don't know, so many Potential. options for brides. Oh, dear. Uh, we're going through the entire discography of Scary Bear Enthusiasts Radiohead. Uh, and we are... Now committed on this episode to finishing our discussion on their fourth album, Nate. Kid A, their infamous Please. left term. Uh, we're going to kind of see what's going on with it. You're going to hear our actual like final thoughts on Kid A. And we're going to touch with the legacy of that album, how it all panned out, what people thought of it then, what people think of it now. And we're going to start where we left off last week, which is with this song. <laughs> Together, Lucas. One, two, three. This is Steve's, Steve's favourite song. from the album. No. Nope. Oh. Aww. Is it is it one that you like more
2: than everything in its right place or something Luke? It's like you weren't listening two songs ago. Well, I did say <laughs> so far, to be fair, didn't I? is <laughs> my favourite Readyhead song so far. Do I uh it's, it's fine. I think. It's the rock song, though, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. This is like the first sort of normal song we've had on here, right? And you're the normal man.
0: It sounds a bit like OK Computer, and so therefore it's the
2: electioneering of Kid A. Yeah, so therefore... Even... (laughs) (laughs) It's good. It is good. I um (laughs) am... Which I didn't respond to, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was one of of the weakest things on there. Oh, we're just joshing with you, Steve. We're just having a big old josh. Oh, I know. Uh, Optimistic is... Quite good, I think. Oh, here he is. His favourite bloody song. (laughs) Stop sucking its dick. Sorry, quite good. (laughs) So I didn't mean to give it such praise. Quite good, 7 out of 10. Although I kind of don't get on with this album that much and I find it quite difficult. I was a bit disappointed that there was a fairly normal soul in it. So therefore, I sort of didn't respond to it. Like, it didn't give me anything, you know? Like, at right. least, like, um you know, Kid A or whatever, I'm like, Jesus, all right, fine. It's something. It's going it's something. for something. Yeah. But I, I do quite like it. Like, this is like a nice build-up. Again, it's like that kind of build-up thing, though, that, that they did. They've already done, right? So,
0: yeah. I mean that's that's the thing about Radiohead is that once they lock into this idea that Lucas touched on in OK Computer which is like a lot of the songs are they start one way and then they build to being completely different in the second half. Yeah. They are a band that just kind of if if I had one criticism to level at them they do that a lot. Right. I don't know if you've I don't know if you've kind of twigged onto it yet Lucas in Rainbows is all of that.
1: I was literally as soon as you just said that yeah. I started trying to think of in Rainbows
0: and it's uh, all one thing. And then they add to it and add to it and add to it until it gets big. And sometimes it will do a second thing, but not always. Yeah, They're Very much, uh, th- that that's kind of their mode as the band. But there are some, like... Obviously, it's instantly, you're like, oh, yeah, guitars. I remember guitars. Yeah. Because <laughs> even though there's yeah. been loads of guitars on the album, this is one of the more recognisable... Because there's a bit of a riff. This is what I thought you meant when there's a riff, right? Which is clearly a guitar. But also... There's lots of little bits of noises going on. And the drums and the bass are groovy enough for me to kind of elevate it above just the rock song of the album, I think. And it has some really great explosive moments. And then, of course, the funky little disco bit at the end.
2: Well, this is the thing. So odd. it matches the tempo of the next track, right? And I wondered
0: if... And it's stylistically closer to the next track as well. Yeah,
2: it comes... But then I wondered, obviously, was the track is as Spotify fucked up, or is this is this always been the end of Optimistic? No, that's always been the end of Optimistic. Because this part is well, first of all throughout throughout this song, it feels like it's very much played live because you can hear the tempo speeding up Indeed. and slowing down. It's very loose. Um, but then you obviously you get that end bit, and it kind of skips, or if it feels like they've take they've um, glued tape to uh, the tape over the top of itself or something like that. It does a little bit more. Exactly. Or, what done, except oh, is it on, on a computer. Fine. Okay, good. I wondered if or if Phil is just that good, he does an insane time signature and does like a quarter no, of a so beat. It's, okay. it's
0: a little experiment like so that bit at the end, nothing was re recorded for it or recorded in that style. It's an experiment in editing, taking little sections of the performance of Optimistic that already exists, which is like the main body of the song, and then repurposing it into a different genre entirely. So that's all little bits of the song you've just heard cut up to sound like something completely different. Okay. Which is interesting and funky. And I, funky. I like that bit. They had to keep coming back to this song because it was one of those, and you identified it, Steve, it was one of those songs that was working as just a band playing in a room. And they were like, hang on, aren't we meant to be not doing that? So they kept trying to do different versions of it. But they had to kind of give in to the idea that, yeah, it just sort of works. So this is actually mostly played live. Um, who the fuck knows what it's about?
2: It's quite nice. It's been encouraging, isn't it? The best you can's good enough. You can try the best. Disagree. You can.
1: Yeah, I was going to say I've written down that I think the <laughs> uh, title was ironic. I think it's largely ironic.
2: <laughs> mm. Oh yeah. Actually, now I've said out oh, the best you can oh yeah that's yeah. actually just just do a shit just do a shit thing
0: and get by <laughs> right i don't know i think it lands somewhere halfway between those things like there's lots of darker stuff in there before the chorus so like big fish eat the little ones always makes me think of large corporations kind makes of makes me think over. of star wars episode one there's always a bigger fish there's always a bigger fish uh but especially when we get onto the section on this one went to market and there's the there's more pigs there steve um There's stuff in there about power structures and hierarchies, a reference to George Orwell's Animal Farm, and the line dinosaurs roaming the earth. That's kind of the last thing you hear. These things of gargantuan size taking up space, waiting to go extinct. I think this is about business, and I think it's the most direct from uh, No Logo, by Naomi Klein. There's a lot of imagery in it, with no clear answers, which I think happens a lot in Kid A, and these disparate snatches of stuff all sort of coalescing again feels like being online yeah where you'll have a news article about the latest atrocity occurring somewhere on the planet next to an advert for washing powder and then a user submitted comment that just says lol like it's (laughs) yeah it's all very disparate and it feels very futuristic looking from 2000 onwards but also just feels like now when i'm listening to it now the positive affirmation that is the chorus you can try the best you can. The best you can is good enough. It's something that was said to Tom by his partner Rachel when he was frustrated with the band's progress. But within the tone of the song and the tone of the songs that surround it on this album, it's difficult to see that sentiment being true, right? Like, yeah. it seems hugely ironic, right,
1: Lucas? Well, yeah, that's kind of what I got from it. But that was also partially just because I know that Radiohead are always so... Uh bleak that i just couldn't imagine them writing a positive song you'd never describe
2: them as optimists
1: would you yeah
2: <laughs> now i i've just i read this online and it's only kind of uh occurred to me when i read it this year i think but this one went to market it's not a little pig going on for a little trip to buy things i think it is i said pigs no, but what I mean it's a pig going to market, Adam. He's oh, killed. you
0: mean he's not going to buy things? No, he's not Wait, going on pig shop. Go
2: to get. Oh, yeah, he's not going on a shopping trip. He's been he's off to market to be as meat,
0: mate. And that that's why I think it's like an ironic title because the line is this one's optimistic. This one went to market, yeah, and then this one just came out of the swamp. Yeah, I like that. One. Scary, probably, yeah, it's bit scary, scary thing. guys. Yeah, bit scary. Um. Somewhat unsurprisingly, them not picking a single, not releasing a single, meant that DJs had to choose what they wanted to play once the album was out. So they chose this one because it sounds like a normal song. It sounds like it's probably the most radio friendly uh of, of Kid A,
2: right? Or the most close the closest to OK Computer.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I like the the title alone is is, is therefore quite funny. <laughs> it's the optimistic yeah. one. It's like it's, it's Radiohead. The- funny nice band yeah.
0: hilarious they make me laugh and laugh and
2: laugh like a fucking <laughs> drain <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they say before they go on stage right everyone imagine remember have a great fucking laugh out there remember, <laughs> a bloody, have a bloody laugh,
3: laugh everyone. everyone.
0: This is the one I find most difficult, rather than Kid A, because I think Kid A at least sounds pleasant, and this is Mm. I find this to be very a a difficult sounding song. Um, It's very garbled, and there's a lot going on at once. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean it it ends with sounds that genuinely make me feel a bit queasy Mm. and panicky. I do quite like the repetitive nature of it to an extent and that little triplet guitar, guitar part. Yeah. But, the, but then that's in a different rhythm to everything else, isn't it? So it kind of gives you that uh, uneasy feeling.
0: It's the closest they've come maybe so far in their career. Like you'd pair it maybe with the National Anthem in regards to this, but it's the closest they've come to doing pure jazz, I think. Okay. Um, Because I think National Anthem is like... uh rock and then they've got the jazz aspects of it this is like pure jazz i think lucas you strike me as someone who well you know like you said about uh national anthem load of old bollocks um, does that extend to jazz in general for you or at least that kind of free jazz can't say i listen to enough to have
1: any opinion so a playlist mate no <laughs> no i don't want a playlist adam please I don't don't want a little listen. jazz playlist lucas. please don't you, send little little me a jazz, jazz playlist, playlist. you a You'll jazz. waste so much of your sounds time like listening to it, Adam. <laughs> they like have a jazz playlist Lucas. Lucas's jazz
2: playlist.
1: This one for me is the weakest, I think. It's just Understandable. It's but not because I like hate it, it's just a bit of a nothing. Mm. To me. A bit is it a the shortest song on, on Kid A? It might be. Mate, you're the one who's going to know the answer to
0: that question. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it feels <laughs> like slightly less, but I do find it like it unfolds quite insidiously. Um, it's now one of my favourites. That- but in, on, on initial listen, oh, it's, it, I find this song to be very, very hard work. Um, it's almost certainly another one, quote unquote, from the hat, uh, as it were, in terms of like, cutting up random bits of stuff and drawing them out from a hat at random. So it pairs quite well with Optimistic, which I think is the other one that most sounds like that. There's loads of stuff going on. Lost at Sea, which was the working title for the album. Uh, Shipping, Forecast, Areas, Lundy, Fastnet, Irish Sea. Message in a Bottle, like, you know, I get a message I can't read, or is it a digital message? There's references to trapdoors and spiralling down and living in a fantasy world. And then that noise that you hear at the end, Steve, Mm. that is a voice begging someone or something to come back. He's like screaming, come back. And then it's twisted and distorted with digital effects until the song disappears basically completely. And it's all, there's nothing to grab onto in this song, Yeah, which I think is maybe why
2: it comes across as the weakest to some people. It's all very indistinct, right? Yeah, maybe it's that. But then it didn't... I kind of grabbed on to that triplety guitar part, but I think the reason for that is... Um... Should we go back to Let's Ruin Steve's Life? Oh, uh, yeah, cool. Realizing... Yeah, sure. Uh, by um, exploring bands that clearly ripped off Radiohead. If you want to search for brand new Could Never Be Heaven, just play it from the start. Oh, they love Radiohead. Yeah. All right. Here we go. There you go. That's it. That's all I wanted. That's that part. I mean,
3: yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. It's very similar. Yeah. I mean, oh, I, I don't like, imagine
2: oh. they they went. Oh, let's rip off in limbo here. You well, you never know. I <laughs> no, no, no. And that's the final part, by the way, of that series. Um, and, uh, cool. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Two uh, of well, the parts really were well. brand new. That's interesting. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it all just, but even that triplet,
0: which you can grab onto. It's buried at some points, and then it comes back, and it kind of skirts in and out, and it's all very indistinct. There's about three or four vocal takes going on at once at some points, and mm. they all overlap, some of which are Tom uh, singing into a dictaphone whilst driving. Uh, there's parts in different time structures, drum fills that are really wonky, and this is the one that sounds like anxiety to me. Yeah, yeah. This is the, this is the sound of what anxiety, of my anxiety feels like, I think. Um, no idea what it's about. There are at least some references to spiralling down and being in limbo, which uh, sprung from Tom's partner, Rachel, at around this time, completing her PhD on Dante's Divine Comedy. And of course, the Inferno section of that, Dante's Inferno, talks about being in limbo and spiralling down the seven circles of Hell. Uh so there's that.
2: Um the, the direct correlation to his quote of feeling like he was falling through trapdoors though, right? Trapdoors that are open, I spiral down. He's it's almost like completely first person there. But that's
0: all over the album, isn't it? Those yeah. references to trapdoors or the the stuff that happened to Tom
1: on the okay computer tour. The intro to it sounds like tycho If what I planned tycho? ahead, I would have also sent Adam the the <laughs> musician. Um I would have sent Adam a link as well, like Steve, but I've not prepared. So I'll just tell you and you can just believe me. Sounds like Tycho. Yeah, I believe you. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, Tycho does lo-fi beats of study and Chill too. Yeah, there, there's a
0: bit of this that I could see. as I mean, it very quickly becomes not very uh, yeah. chill music. But yeah, I could see bits of that. Because it's the jazzy nature of it. Did you guys manage to pick up the
2: uh, the time signature on this one? Yeah, it's 7-4. Uh, Is it just four four with a three four beat over the top of it? It's just it's just four four. But the do 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 do, do, do. one two three one two three one two three one two three just four four. Mm. Just four
0: four really, yeah. The more electronic nature of
1: the drum parts, the dream. It's also quite a beat as well, and in Romo's there's quite quite a lot of upbeat songs. Um, Is it
2: upbeat? It sounds like right. yeah. in a bad time. I think it's
1: quite a beat. There's mm. a little box surface level upbeat. Mm.
0: Any, you know, and then the the once the depths are plumbed, not that upbeat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it,
1: um, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever mentioned this, but it predicts the um the release of the. Animated film Ice Age. I vaguely remember mentioning that about three oh, and a half hours ago. That's how well, gone, Lucas. Well, that's, that's, that's 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 very just, good. Ice Age coming, and that comes mm-hmm. out two years later. So I'm guessing he was like reading all the sort of pre production. Must be. Know, early, yeah. early stories on like Saw
0: a, some pre of the animation or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's yeah, yeah. like, I'm just going to let He's, people know before a trailer comes out. I mean, this is well worn meme territory, guys. This is-
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait,
2: when yeah. did Ice Age come out?
1: Two thousand and one.
2: Did it really?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's 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 when, our, that's when our screens were first graced with scrat. Our, <laughs> everyone's favourite what is he? Squirrel? Squirrel thing. No. Uh also also Bo Burnham rips this song off. Which is, is, he? is nice. Everything all of the time. Anything, everything all of the
2: time. Yeah. <laughs> um that snare just cuts through everything ever, doesn't it? Like there must be something to do with the EQ and the drums, particularly that. Just, like, completely penetrate anything else that goes over the top of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty great sound. It's quite violent, isn't it? Um, especially with headphones, it's, it sounds, like, so crisp to the point where crisp. it's too much. Crisp.
1: crisp. It's crisp. great that crisp, crisp is one of the crispest words that you can say. Yeah, that is really for meeting function, isn't it? Crisp. It's lovely. Um, <laughs> it's like how the word poop is the, is the shape that your butthole makes when you say it sure okay i've never thought about that great um, it's a classic joke and the same is also true of the words explosive diarrhea <laughs> yeah.
0: um steve i'm gonna single you out and i'm sorry uh i assume this is the track that is least like the music you would typically listen to
2: yes And therefore, how did you feel and what did you think about this song? I found it quite irritating. First of all, when I first started listening Irritating. Yeah, I think but then I think it's the vocals over the top of it again. I just found Tom to be quite irritating on this track. And I'm just, you know, I'm a sucker for melody and there's, there's, there's something about how he delivers the lines that just absolutely get my fucking back up. <laughs> what do you mean when you
1: say you're a sucker for melody? Because, like, Tom is singing a melody. Na, like
2: na, na. It's just the horizontalness. a, horizontal a melody. Like, a yeah. melody it's, is
1: just, like, anything's a melody. I yeah. think he likes
0: ornate uh, melodies. Vertical. I love a vertical melody, mate. Right. Yeah. You fake plastic trees. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um. So I like musical theatre, because they're very dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I will say I think you know like you say it it, it annoys you the tone of his voice sometimes on this album mm. designed to annoy you
2: 100% and and last form and function I think it it all of this album sets out to do a thing and it does the thing it's very successful
0: yeah. you you might just not like the thing
2: yeah exactly and that's why yeah. I have that battle between that those two different things of enjoying something and actually just respecting it and um and this song yeah probably has a bit of that i think uh, first of all though i did just really respond to the drum beat because i think that is the forefront of this song right oh yeah i mean the whole song's built
0: around it i'll get to that in yeah. a
1: second uh i would probably say i i'm i'm tossing and turning as to whether this makes my top 2 on the album interesting I one, yeah i think this one is excellent it's a bop isn't it it's a bop yeah, it's a bit annoying that it's the th- that I'm saying that what I like about it is it reminds me of In Rainbows because that just carries on my In Rainbow, <laughs> yeah. normie status. In
0: Rainbow Supremacy,
1: yeah, <laughs> it doesn't sound anything like Supremacy. No, that's got like big guitars and good w- wailing vocals, yes, yeah. Bond theme, love it, Bond it. theme's love not it. for years, we're not at- we're nowhere near the Bond theme.
0: Do you know what I should, I should say at this moment because we, ha- we have said it previous to the track by track, but not during. Guys, rock bands didn't sound like this. <laughs> Guys. there we go. This is the very definition of what rock bands did not sound like, and I'm conc- well, I' like you say, are they a rock band at this point? Apart?: Right. From like- exactly. What, what would you class them as a musical collective? Oh no, that sounds awful. I don't know. Look, the the process of this song is relatively interesting because it is this is maybe, in terms of how we view pop music, the most pop song on the album, like in terms of how we today view pop music. I could, you know, I reckon Drake could rap over this, you know what I mean? Uh, It sounds maybe something that, like, Kanye would do in, like, 2008, 2009, when he was doing Love Lockdown and stuff like that. Kanye, incidentally, very influenced by Radiohead. Um, So it originated with just the drum pattern, okay? When you create a drum pattern nowadays, it's obviously all on the computer you you program, you know, something like that. Back in the 80s, there were specific machines, drum machines with drum samples, and you could program in a pattern or play on the pads, you know, tap the pads, with preset drum samples. Johnny Greenwood, neither. Neither of those processes. This isn't actually a drum machine.
2: This is not a drum machine, What is it? What? This is, okay. this is a
0: synth. This is a modular synth. The thing's Fine, it's about. not Phil. <laughs> the big No, it's not a fill. It's, it's one of the big synths with all the wires that you pull in and out. And each drum sound, so the kick, the snare, the hi-hat, however, is a little clip of just white noise, just tsh- that Johnny would then yeah. apply filters to, one to make it sound short and dull and have the bass turned up on. That's the kick drum. Then one that left all the hiss in but eliminated all the bass, and that's the snare. So these aren't samples. Yeah. These are all created by Johnny from white noise from the ground up. Which isn't to say that there aren't samples on the track. You would just assume
2: it's the drums. Yeah. I mean, white noise absolutely <laughs> I mean, makes a whole lot of sense now. Yeah. Because it is. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, It's was probably so very quick. loud for you,
0: isn't it. Um, Crisp. Johnny wanted to have something to create the beats against. So he used like snippets of the radio like he normally does, other noises, more white noise at different frequencies, and then bits of a record, a vinyl record that he had just laying about as part of his electronic music researching expeditions. And the record was called First Recordings Electronic Music Winners, and it's from 1976, the result of a competition for musicians making electronic music in a classical style and released on Odyssey Records. And he used little bits of all that stuff, and then gave this long, random composition to Tom, who chopped it all up into sections and reworked it. And the bit that he used just had something from that record on it. Um, Had a couple of things from that record, actually. One is uh, from a composition called Mild und Liss uh, by Paul Lansky, and so I'm going to play you a little bit of that again it's electronic music used entirely using a computer in the early 70s meant to experimentally mimic classical compositions okay here's an excerpt of it There you go. It's surrounded by lots of other stuff, but you can hear the idiotech bit in that, right?
2: Yeah. Where does the boop,
0: boop come from? That's that's Johnny. That's the uh, that's the modular synth stuff. But then it had another bit. Um, it had a, a, another little section from the same album uh, from Arthur Krieger's short piece. Is what it's called. Um, I swear it is coming. It is in here. You will recognise it. Okay. Okay. but it gets a bit yeah you know it's a bit like this
3: <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has really gone off the rails
0: <laughs> we're just listening, to, we're just listening to random bleeps and bloops here it comes here it comes
3: There, you go. there it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Dip, dip, dip.
0: That yeah, little bit sure. <laughs> as a sample. Um, so they had to track <laughs> you know. these guys down uh, and they had both continued to be composers and Krieger just sort of granted the sample. But Paul Lansky was fascinated that they would use this because he had been about like 18 or so when he created that piece in 1974 and went to a Radiohead show and, and heard it being played live and loved what they were doing. Um, he sounds like a cool guy. He teaches music at Princeton. Um A note on those clips, and Lucas, you you said, yeah, this podcast's really gone off the rails. We're just listening to random bleeps and bloops. Everyone always goes, oh, Radiohead, they're so experimental. They aren't really, are they? No, I wouldn't say they're massively so. No, there's more experimental music out there by, like, huge magnitudes. They're just great at taking these experimental ideas and packaging them into things that are more accessible. They maybe push the boundaries of, pop music and what is acceptable to the major market rather than the boundaries of music itself, like they did here, because this is a song rather than experimental composition or piece of avant-garde art, uh, probably the biggest departure from their earlier music. Um, One of those songs like you had with Paranoid Android, Lucas, where the main parts of it are very obvious right up front, but there's so much going on in the background. There's a different vocal line, all of the various little percussion bits, all the atonal noise, um, and it seems to have a coherent theme. Did you guys pick that
2: out? Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? So, theme-wise, and the, the stuff that I could hear in in Idiotech, it, it, there's a whole there's a whole thing around like this is really happening, right? And ice age coming, and and to me that's like a global warming kind of warning, isn't it? Yeah, definitely.
0: I think you could see it as a, like a result of Tom's obsession with climate change and global warming and the clear signs that something should be done and yet nothing is.
2: Women and children first It's quite interesting. As if they get yeah. saved. <laughs> but yeah. Again, this
0: was uh, 22 years ago which is insane yeah. that either that they were very forward thinking or that we're still in the same position now. Well, uh, yeah, it's that, yeah. yeah, it's Both. I think it's probably both, isn't it? But it en- encompasses a lot of the moods around, you know, how I feel about uh, global warming uh, now. Like they're all present in the lyrics. So, like the panic, you know, the women and children first. Steve, the denial of it, like throw him in the fire. The pleading of it, we are not scaremongering. The people who are ignoring those pleads, who are will take the money and run. And yeah, we've moved on from, we've moved on to this is really happening. And it feels like it has one concern, but also could be. Uh, from the hat and I think that's testament to the fact that Tom's style of writing had just completely changed there's nothing personal in this song I don't get the I don't get the impression that Tom is talking about himself I get that he's going for a mood it's a blunt statement of stuff which I think contributes to the ideas of, of fear that this album puts across All of these things just happening and the only way to get through them is to block out the noise and have no emotion about them. I don't find this to be a very emotional song. The only way to get around the things that, you know, are really happening, this is really happening in Idiotech, is to tell yourself this isn't happening, like in How to Disappear Completely. And again,
2: just about to draw that parallel, yeah. Uh, It's like an answer to it, isn't it? That feels like now. Like... All the people burying their heads in the
0: sand around climate change and just saying, "This, you know, I'm not here and this isn't happening," um, but it is really happening. Um, yeah, I find that to be uh, again like 22 years ago. That's
2: that's that's really impressive to me. It's scary and I'm scared now. <laughs>
1: don't say it's, Don't 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 say it's 22 years ago. That's don't don't. Don't reference the time that's passed in our lives. <laughs> 21 years ago since Ice Age. Jesus, mate. <laughs> fuck me. G- Jesus, mate.
2: <laughs> you went in Australia and for have Bloody already. hell, mate. <laughs> nope. <laughs> he lost it.
1: Uh, yeah, unsu- unsurprisingly for me, uh, I didn't pay uh, massive detail. Detail? paid massive attention to the lyrics. And as such, uh, didn't really pick up in much in terms of themage. Apart from that the Ice Age is coming. As such, it's much more of an upbeat yeah. <laughs> but I enjoyed, but I, it, it, it's, and it's interesting that it's one of the songs that I'm saying I rate the highest on the album. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I've got nothing to say about the lyrics, but that's kind of par for the course for me, isn't it, at this point? Uh,
0: it's it's par for the course for you, but also it's very much kind of part of the intention of this album, is to kind of yeah, not I mean, focus ne- on the, the specifics. Yeah, I mean, the next one,
1: if you want to talk about, like...
0: <laughs> I mean, what's going on in that song? Like the, the pumping beat of Idiotech fades down, and there's only, like, a tonal noise left. And it transitions directly into Morning Bell. 5-4
2: Five four drums, feel my drums. Five four, lovely. I love odd time signatures always. Like they're great, right?
0: I think they. I don't think they're necessarily inherently great. I think they're great when they're used for a specific reason.
2: And I think here it's to just
0: sort of unsettle you.
2: Did Did you tell us, or I read somewhere that if you ask Phil what time signature something is, he does say it's in four four. Doesn't matter what what it That's was. That's a song we have not encountered yet. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Right, fine. I thought it was just anything, you'd be like, yeah, it's four <laughs> four. to an extent could be true. <laughs> you thought it was to any song, not one yeah, specific like, song. I like the idea that also four four. Like and it could be. You just put like I said, you could put the accents in different places. It could be in four four. The drum beat is just insane.
0: Um <laughs> There's a song yeah. coming up on a later album. Lucas's favourite radiohead album that has hidden syncopation. Uh, and it it's it's so well hidden that you don't even realize it's syncopated until someone tells you that it is
1: <laughs> you just have to take their word for it right um am I supposed to be able to make out a single word of the lyrics of this song with my normal human ears um I
0: don't know, I don't think so I don't think so it's again, it's just evoking a mood, isn't it it's, yeah. it's a very odd mood this song. I struggle to pin it down. Uh, there's a lot going on and none of it makes any sense
2: is what I've got written down <laughs> I just had a look at the lyrics and uh cut the kids in half as it uh, just jumped out at me gonna...
0: yeah so that's like the most obvious kind of uh, idea that it might be about something uh, like I've got no idea what a morning bell is mm. um, light another candle and release me uh, but those two little things, keep the furniture and cut the kids in half, are what most people have pointed to and gone, oh, well, the song's about divorce. Fair. Or the song is about a breakup of, of some kind. But then there's also stuff like, uh, where do you park the car? Howling down the chimney and sleepy Jack the fire drill. <laughs> and I don't know what that means, but I love it. There's There's so much stuff it's so wonky. Um the drum's not a live take. It's a sample of Phil's live drum playing, but it's just that one thing again and again and again and again. Yeah. Which is revealed much later in the um song when you can hear the tape duck out and they then they start playing it again. Um it's a very subdued organ. The vocals, yeah, unintelligible. They have some kind of processing on them that makes them sound very pinched. Um and I think it's fed through auto tune. Some of the bass is just dead notes. So there's rhythm but no note actually being played. Um there's overlapping vocals. There's lots of stuff going on that is guitars, but I reckon you'd be hard pressed to point at it
2: and go, Oh, that's a guitar. Can you can you tell me the guitar parts on this song? No, not really. I think I think the drums and the bass shine through again and all over the album to be fair, as like a real anchor. Um Yeah. Colin and Phil are my dads. Lucas, you know what a guitar is. Could you recognise it on there's this song? There's some
1: definite, yeah. There's some definite. There's some lickage towards the end, towards the latter part of the song. There's some definite licks. You'd call that a lick, would you? I call it a lick. Yeah. Okay. Like a lick is thing. just a little riff, isn't it? Like in a short, short bit. I've. Not, I don't. I've, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. A riff is repetitive. Is, is yeah. I call it a lick like okay. something that like you sort of pepper in. You pepper in licks. Mmm, pepper in licks.
0: Mm. Pepper in licks. Um, the finale is just Tom mumbling the word walking. He's just going walking, 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 walking. That's it. It's great. It's my other favourite from the album. It's this and how to disappear completely. It's great. There's so many disparate elements coming together to make such an odd little uh, creature. I, I would describe this song as a
2: creature. Would you? Yeah. <laughs> I I'm gonna rev- I'm gonna reveal to our listeners just a little insight into Mind Adams' uh, DMs for a second. He just messaged me once to say, "Morning Bell makes me horny for drums." It does. It does <laughs> make me horny for drums. <laughs> it does. It's such a such a satisfying
0: groove on this song. Um, in a song that's so deeply weird, like right down to its core, the core of it is weird. And then they, but then the organ sound is so pleasant, right? Yeah,
2: it's just yeah. Again, mm-hmm. it's it's like a lot of the album where it's got some really pleasant things completely juxtaposed. Juxtaposed, fucking hell. Yeah. So juxtaposed. Just juxtaposed, guys. Guys. <laughs> des- uh, juxt- Isn't that
0: the name of the demon from The Exorcist? Might
2: yeah. be. Yeah. Um, against some disgusting stuff. Do you know what I mean? There's some yeah, like, real horrible things, but beautiful things going under it. Um, I've I've got no idea what this song is about or trying
0: to say. I love the mood and the tone of it. And it fits into the tone of the album so well in terms of just being slightly confusing and, and stuff. But I do know where it came from. So Tom had bought that house in Cornwall and it had a ghost in it. Uh, no, it didn't. And he said about it. Yeah, it didn't I did it? It didn't though. Well, he said you just knew. You didn't say it, but you knew that it had nah, a ghost in it. So nah, I filled up... So I filled up a whole mini-disc of stuff of songs and half-formed ramblings or whatever. Then there was a lightning strike and it wiped it all out. I was really upset because there was some really good stuff on it, but that was the general vibe of the house at the time, so I didn't think anything of it. Then I forgot it. And six months later, I was in an airplane coming back from Japan or something, and I didn't sleep at all. I hadn't slept for ages and ages. Suddenly I was lying there and I'd forgotten all of the stuff from the mini-disc and Morning Bell just came back to me exactly as I'd written it, with all the words and everything. It sounds like it's about a breakup, but it's really not. The lyrics are not as dramatic as they sound, you know, except cut the kids in half, which is dramatic no matter which way you read it.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, fair. That's a good point. You guys, do you not believe in ghosts? No, no. Just not at all? No, no. No, you don't believe in, like, energy and spirit and stuff like that?
2: No, no. No?
0: So you don't believe his house was haunted?
3: No.
2: No.
0: Would you believe me if I said my house was haunted?
2: No. Yeah.
3: Okay. Oh, Steve, oh, oh. Steve, Steve Sunday's.
0: Is- Steve is the better friend because he's just like, look, whatever you tell me, man, that's your emotional truth, and I believe you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fucking amazing, isn't it? Oh, oh.
0: this is—is is this a uh, little Lucas nub rubber?
1: Nub rubbing. Uh, the yeah. intro sounds like Siegel Ross, I think. Oh, it, it is. Very really low, does. Actually, You're yeah. right. Mm. Mm. Um. But um. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Why would I not love it? It's got. It's got string. Well, maybe it's got stuff. It's got orchestral it's got stuff bits. going on. It's got some something that maybe sounds like a heart, but it might just be a synth. Yeah. Uh, it's got something that sounds like a theremin, might just be a synth. Some <laughs> kind of organ, might just be a synth. <laughs> synth yeah. I've just written so many instruments or samples thereof. Might just be a synth. <laughs> that's pretty spot on.
0: Like, um, it was. Uh, it seems the, the the journey of the song is slightly interesting. How do you feel about it, like its place on the album?
1: Should be the last song, and they should get rid of Untitled.
0: Uh, because it is the last song. <laughs> It is the last song, yeah. No, so- no, but
1: not officially though, is it?
0: Yeah. Well, officially it is because the original album, it was a hidden track at the end, not a separate song. Um, and Spotify of you know their, their re-release onto Spotify oh. has, has ruined that somewhat. Um, but it is it is kind of the perfect closer to the album,
2: I think. I totally agree. Um, much like we had that little chime the little bell at the end of OK Computer to cleanse us. I feel that Motion Picture Soundtrack does that. It feels like coming out of the clouds of the dystopian city. You know, the clouds and you're seeing the sun. You actually see the sun for the first time. You know? Yeah. That thing. Which is interesting because it's a suicide note. Mmm. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's, it just, there's no other way to read it than it's a I mean, it's I, a I've suicidal. got it down.
2: It's, it's super lovely. as harps and all sorts of stuff. But I've written with really sad lyrics from when I looked at it. It's yeah. just like... It's, it's sad a sad, sad closer for a yeah. sad album. It's yeah. lovely, though. Oh, it's, it's absolutely lovely. Do you yeah. know what it
1: sounds like as well? What? Um, it sounds like a soundtrack to a film. Good point. Uh, <laughs> this was another one that
0: was written while they were still called On a Friday. Um, oh, really but whereas the national anthem was just that bass line, this had the lyrics and the structure too in fact they took a verse out for this recording the organ is new it was written on an acoustic guitar then they tried it for okay computer on a piano and then they transitioned it to the organ for kid eight it's an old harmonium pedal organ you can hear tom using the pedals to uh to pump the air through it um Inspired by Tom Waits, who uses a lot of stuff like that. Colin is bowing a double bass. And then they are samples of harp strums. You're right, they didn't have a harp. Mm. They just used samples and manipulated that using software. Uh, Johnny was trying to emulate the textural sounds of Alice Coltrane and Pharaoh Sanders, who would use sort of like similar things on their jazz records. And he was trying to get to the, the pastoral sounds used in 1950s Disney movies um which is the kind of thing that Johnny does with his compositions when he has lyrics to work from when he has a line like it's not like the movies which is in this song he then goes ah i'm going to make this sound like a super stylized sweet sound from a disney movie in the 1950s which i think is very interesting
2: it is very interesting and then and then you've got this yeah the the lyrics about taking sleeping pills with red wine and Yeah, very much juxtaposed against um, (laughs) the the Disney movie soundtrack.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's a really nice juxtaposition. for decision. And it it seems to me in terms of its place on the album to be the song with all of the humanity and the emotion injected back into it. I described the album about 10 episodes ago uh, as cold. And this feels like the warmest thing on the album and I'm not saying it's warm because Tom does sound like absolutely dejected here but but warmer and it's it's very sweet I think I would describe this song as sweet it obviously reads like a suicide note especially the last line the last line on the album is I will see you in the next life and then on the original album there was no track 11 there was 58 seconds of silence and then
3: this
1: A startup tone for like a PlayStation. It does just just sounds like the sort of generic bit of sound you'd have like as like a, the booting of a machine of some kind. Oh, Lucas, you're so close. That's so good. I love that so much.
0: It it sounds like something coming to life. Yeah, it sounds like a a rebirth after the line. I will see you in the next life. The, the album dies. <laughs> he says, I'll see you in the next live. There's 58 seconds of silence. And then that emerges. It's 52 seconds long. And then there was another nearly two minutes of silence on the back of that. And then, if obviously, if you had it on a loop, it would go straight back into everything that's the right place. It's a similar thing to what they did on OK Computer. Um, As it is on Spotify, it's... uh. It's just an untitled separate track, which I don't think works as
1: well. Yeah, um, they should just they should just st- um, stick them on the end of the last song with a big with a big gap in the middle.
2: Yeah, that should have been on the end of Motion Picture Soundtrack. Yeah, yeah,
1: as artistically they wanted. Yeah, yeah, like like you would on a CD. Yeah, well, on a CD it was slightly cleverer than that, wasn't it? It was a they 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 it was able to do some clever stuff with like. No, no. On, on
0: the CD, motion picture soundtrack is just seven minutes long. Uh, I'm yeah. thinking of
1: hidden tracks where, like, you can only you can only get to it by rewinding skipping backwards skipping from the somewhere. first track. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, I remember stuff like that.
1: Yeah, Oasis have one weirdly. Um, nah, no one gives a fuck. The song, was, <laughs> <laughs>
0: the song was originally referred to as Gen Children um, after the username of the person who originally leaked the album having recorded it from the long one-track album stream and then separated it into MP3s themselves. They didn't have titles for any of the tracks, so they named the tracks after their username, called them GenChildren1, GenChildren2, and so on and so forth. And then everything got a new title, except for this one because it was it was revealed to be a hidden track. So people just started calling it GenChildren. Um, I don't like it as a separate track. The, the The weight between death and rebirth is really important. I think um it gives you a moment to sit with your thoughts on the album before they're kind of interrupted by it uh and I know you know maybe you know there's an argument well that's not really how people listen to music or whatever, but there's plenty of discussion online to that effect, and I'm sort of uh, inclined to agree with that. I also think it's very pretty as sort of like a little bit of sound textural collage stuff,
2: yeah, I agree. I really like that rebirth take. It's nice. Yeah, you're welcome, Steve. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
1: Yeah, the the ending of this album is delightful. Uh, the ending, I mean, you know how I like a strong end and a strong beginning? Yeah. Good job.
2: Yeah.
0: One out of the two. And that's the album. That is Kid A
1: by Radiohead.
0: What did you guys think?
1: I... I... I am glad, like I said earlier, I am glad I had some more time to sit with it and appreciate it um, because it's because it's good. It's a good album. But it's also one that I won't go back and listen to at an immediate whim.
0: Right. And and almost certainly not in full. Right. But I'm assuming yes. there's some stuff that will make it to the, the playlist.
1: Oh, Mate, there's a bunch of. I mean, there's a bunch of songs that are already on the playlist. The Radiohead, good. the Radiohead liked songs on <laughs> Spotify. Uh, it would just get a bit bigger, but yeah, I'm definitely glad it, it's it's not my normal sort of album because it is not easy or enjoyable. Not that's not that's not necessarily the word I'm looking for, but you know what I mean. It's not an easy listen. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but uh, real good. Real good. I mean, so far, that's from what I've been saying about most Radiohead is the spin. It's not, you know, it takes a bit of work, but real good.
2: Yeah. Which is really interesting because you've always felt like you shouldn't have to work. but you. Yeah, seem no, to but be I'm responding. being forced to for this podcast. Yeah, no, if no, I wasn't no. doing this podcast, yeah. I probably I
1: probably would never have gotten into Kid a. Oh, well,
2: I think it's nice. That's what I was saying is that, you know. Uh you If,
1: should. like, Adam just said, like, oh, listen to this album, I really like it, it's by whatever... And I and the first thing and I listened to it through once and it was Kid A. I'd probably be like, yeah, it's got some good stuff. Adam, I'm not gonna listen to that again. Yeah, because mm. effort. So your appreciation has gone
0: up after repeated intense listens, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Hell yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So, I mean, the fact that this was uh, again, I've, I think I've talked about this for every fucking episode so far as well. But it's hard to. Not it's hard to think about the fact that it, oh in two thousand this was like insanely different because we've got the the cons you know we've got hindsight and what music sounds like since this but it is pretty mental that when when what was else, what else was going on in two thousand in terms of music right it was like in terms of British music well I suppose that's
0: that's very different that uh, there's there's a lot of different uh, answers to that because I guess what you're kind of asking. Because of the type of band they are, are you asking what is going on in rock music in 2000. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, um, I guess so. Oh, that's such a good question. We're just about to hit the strokes, right? Um, yeah. And 2000. have released
1: one album now at this point.
0: Coldplay yeah. have released a couple. And um, you two are about to have their big comeback with Kind of Beautiful Day, having done some more experimental records. And you're seeing the rise of Limp Biscuit. Yeah. Park, Park, Papa Roach, yeah. Slipknot, all all of that stuff is what is kind of happening in rock music, as well as kind of like the height, the height of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah,
1: so many S's written on written on walls, you know, that right. cool S. Lit
2: are about to release Atomic, their, uh, their uh, <laughs> album after A Place in the Sun, which is... Oh, so that, 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 that will
1: affect about six uh, percent of the population. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing, you know, we,
0: we've we've seen the death of Britpop and now we're seeing the rise of that American alternative.
1: So we are past the death of Britpop, are we?
0: Oh, yeah, that is died it? in like
1: 1997. I yeah. mean, because Oasis is still going at this point, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, isn't it? But they're shit. Well, I mean, yeah. they're always shit. But, I mean, they've always been what shit. What Blur doing? Are they done? Blur took an experimental
0: turn in like 1997, 1998, um... And no, they're not done. But Damon is about to transition into gorillas, and then release one more Blur album before they break up for the first time. Right?
1: Did they? And they didn't do an album when they got back together, did they? Yeah, they, they did. They the Magic Tour.
0: Whip. Oh my shit! From me. from 2015, it's a really
1: good album. IMO. Shit name though. Um. Yeah. So it's just it's it's a cool it's it's interesting to to think of that in that context. Uh, what I will say is that is that Limp Biscuit, Linkin Park, Slipknot, they
0: did have electronic elements to their songs.
1: Well, yeah, Slipknot had a DJ.
0: Yeah, Limp Biscuit uh, did as
1: well, and so did Linkin Park. And you Linkin know. Park had, like, a rapper sort of uh, samples guy.
0: But none of them went as full-bore electronica
1: as Kid no. A does, I guess. No, 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 uh, Also Lost Profits. Steve's favourite band. No, no, we're not, no, hey. They had a DJ, they had a DJ chap. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that. Yeah, it shows that electronic music started to be more like incorporated. Another thing, and you've got Muse who used it in in places. Mm. Um. Anyway, this is all complete tangent on my final thoughts, which is good. Good album, <laughs> IMO. Um, worst songs. No, that's not worst. Least favorite. Or least favorite. No shittest songs. <laughs> shittiest songs will be uh optimistic because it's a standard song sure. as far as this album goes and probably uh where was the other one uh what was the one that i had very little to say about uh lim lim uh in limbo lim 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 limbo in limbo uh which again just a bit bit nothingy sure um interesting, they, they come at the same point of the album. They're back to back.
4: Um,
1: highlights, motion picture soundtrack, and everything in the right place. Lovely. But it does does hurt my hurt my feelings to 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 not give IdioTech uh one of those. So and what about how to disappear completely as well? Oni uh how to disappear completely. Yeah, also really lovely, but no, I don't feel I don't feel too okay about that. No. That's fine. Um score, what did I give OK Computer? Eight. Eight. I wish we could do point fives. <laughs> so I you give... could give this a ten point five. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wait, and I gave—I I presumably gave a seven to um, the bends. The bends. Yeah. Just, we should just
0: reiterate, because just I know we bring it up every episode. Pablo, honey, just a sweet three for you there, because we just yeah, need
1: to didn't get like that in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I'm gonna—I I gonna give this the same as Ok Computer. Wow, am a- I? Oh no, no! As soon as I said it, I felt I, I immediately thought to myself, "That's quite strong." I was going to so, say an eight is a great, and a yeah, seven no, is I'm a gonna good. I'm going to go seven, and yeah. I and and I'll we'll see at the end of the season. Uh, so we'll go seven, but it's a strong, strong seven. If we could mm. do point fives, I'd do one and give it a six point five.
2: Yeah, ultimately, um, this album never really click with me as like the as the last two did um i wonder if it'll ever really unlock and i wonder what would do it i don't know um i think i'm going it? to
0: interrupt you briefly there steve
2: yeah just to say that it not clicking
0: with you in the way that the last two did mm. those last two are your favorite albums we've ever covered yeah <laughs> So I'd be I'd be surprised if loads of stuff clicked with you in the and same yet, way. But it I mean? was one
2: after the other. So I've come in like come on. Yeah. Show me what you got, you know. But like I think all right, it's it's a difficult listen. It's not easy to get into. It's not something that makes me comfortable or particularly enjoy. Um especially like the first section of the album uh which I think is probably my weakest part. Which I know is going to anger the two of you. That said, like I appreciate the album. I appreciate its weirdness. I appreciate its ability to get across a message and a feeling. Um, I think it absolutely achieves what it sets out to do. Um, I, I said earlier on, um, I get, I got two very different experiences with this album, and and that's one from sat down with a considered listen with headphones on, and one to how I would usually listen to music, and the way I usually listen to music is is in the car when I'm cooking, when I'm working in the background, that kind of stuff um the former was very much a sonic experience i could respect um and the other was was just a feeling of being a bit on edge and not really enjoying it for what it was you know so like i i respect its artistic intention um all the samples the extra instruments the weird time signatures the beeps and boops of it all um i think it's got some but i, I amongst all of the the panic and the the chaos of the album like, it's got some lovely moments stuffed in there down the dark hole that's Kid A, you know. Um, it, it's got How to Disappear Completely on it. So, like, I really struggled with the score because I've said throughout the the recording is that I've really struggled with enjoying something and really respecting something, and it's the Holy Bible kind of-ness, you know. Um, that's interesting. Are you talking about your personal reaction to the Holy
0: Bible, or just the generalness of it?
2: yeah, that uh, yeah. Although yeah, so like it's difficult, but it's I I can understand what it's doing. But personally, I don't really like it as that much for that reason.
0: I'm assuming that you like this less than the Holy Bible. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I
2: do. Because um, it's not rock music, right, Steve? The yeah, that's what I want. That's yeah. all I give a shit about. I want 4-4 four, four bar chords, please. Um, power chords, sorry. Bar chords are far too silly and weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, you play it with yeah. six strings. So, yeah, I, I I really struggle with the score, and I don't tend to. I'm usually quite set. Um, but let's go with, with the least favourites, uh, which I'm, g- I'm going to expect death threats, I imagine, for this. But... Uh, <laughs> Everything in its right place, and kid, yeah get, fucked. yeah, get fucked.
3: Yeah, everything honestly. in its right place,
2: and kid, honestly,
0: mate, What an absolute fucking uh, disgrace! Well,
2: put you in your right place, and that right place is in the bin. Do you know what? I really feel like I've made the right decision now. Actually, <laughs> so that's good. I think uh, ultimately, it just set me off in a, a bit of a bad taste. And then uh, How to Disappear Completely comes on. I'm like, okay, actually, maybe okay, maybe the album is quite cool. Actually, is quite it is quite cool, isn't it? This album is quite cool because it's mental. Um, And favourites would be How to Disappear Completely, and I'm going to go with Tree Fingers. I think
0: that is as one of your standout tracks. Yeah,
2: because I had such a great first reaction to it um <laughs> okay sorry <great. laughs> uh, tell you what you tell me which ones to put in and i'll say those no i'm yeah, okay. joking so steve, steve everything in <laughs> its right place yep. and it's a motion picture soundtrack yep, It just right.
0: that just okay. surprised me because i think i i don't know i know i don't want to you know tip my hand too much in terms of what i've put but i feel like I don't know. It's not really a song. I don't, I don't know. It's just it feels
3: weird. It's a
2: track on the album, and I, and yeah, I had no, a really right, great right. first sort of experience of it. I was like, "What is this lovely thing?" And I'm like, "It's an it's a track. It's a four minute long track." It <laughs> felt like it was thirty seconds, and I just had a really nice sort of uh, uh first experience of that song. So that's why it's there. Uh, lovely, and it is lovely considering the dirge. A lot of this is that's the wrong word.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I get. Um, I get what you mean.
2: Yeah. So going back to the score, I think a seven out of ten kind of reflects how I feel about Kid A. Um, Interesting. Really strong. That is, it is a really. That is surprising to me. Definitely. Why is it surprising? Talk through your. Because I gave it a seven, and we've talked very differently about this album. How many times have you said that we're very different people and we score very differently? At least, at least zero times. I think my score reflects the fact that. I don't necessarily think it's a banger and I'd put it on and have a really nice time listening to it and chill out to Kid A. But I can really respect its artistic intention and there is so much work put into this album and it really works. But I don't respond to that that much, so therefore it loses some marks and also it's got how to disappear completely on it. Are you kind of saying that like, if you were marking
0: purely on... Artistic merit and artistic intention, we'd be at a ten out of ten. Yeah, but you don't really like it, so it gets marked down. Yeah, that's ex- almost exactly what you did for the 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 the, the album you brought up, um, the Holy Bible, which is you were like, look, this achieves exactly what it's out to achieve. It's impressive that it achieved this thing, but I'm never, I'm not really going to put it on again. You gave the Holy Bible eight out of ten, probably because you prefer it a little bit in terms of enjoying it. To kiddo yeah. probably because it's got faster on it you know yeah, that's good isn't it? Yeah. yeah what, what, it's what a song? rock song yeah. yeah yeah absolutely it's a rock yeah. song it's a normal <laughs> song for normal people yeah um
2: just normal men yeah just innocent songs <laughs> for innocent people
0: i love this album a lot um <laughs> in line with what we've said about having to put in what you get out of some music, I think this is a good example of me having to do that. Along with "Okay, Computer," I'm interested, Steve. Let's let's promise to meet back here in fifteen years.
2: And you in. <laughs> <Yeah. want to. laughs> tell me if the same. I'm recording it. I don't want
0: to tell me. Tell me if you then have the same opinion as me okay. on on, on K. Sure. A. Well, but... I'm up for it. OK Computer and Kid A both occupy space in my list of favourite albums of all time for similar reasons, to be honest. They're both interesting and meaningful and bring novel ideas to what is essentially, at its core, pop music and they feel very emotionally and technically honest. I don't get the impression from this album that Radiohead were vibe chasing or taking up space in an area that they didn't belong. This seems like an honest stab at transferring their writing and musical skills to a different place with a different methodology in search of a new version of the band to kind of extricate themselves from a position they were no longer comfortable being in. I think it's a difficult album and I think we've said that a lot. If, uh, you know, but... (laughs) I don't know, this might sound... uh, snobbish. I think it's a difficult album if you've literally never heard anything more experimental than this. And and that's fine if you haven't, but this has acted as a gateway for lots of people to lots of interesting music beyond whatever is popular in the charts, or even beyond the scene which is dubbed alternative music, which is never really that alternative. Uh, this got me into Aphex Twin, and Ortecra, and Brian Eno, and it got lots of other people into similar things, and it turned off a whole bunch of other people entirely which is good <laughs> i think art should be divisive in some ways um there's a famous quote that does the rounds on all the social medias every now and again that art should disturb the comfortable and comfort the disturbed and that's probably a huge oversimplification but i don't necessarily disagree with its sentiment um The album is ultimately more interested in making an artistic statement than anything else, I think, which is what I value in, uh, you know, art. Uh, The fact that I think it succeeds in that while also being emotionally driven and relatable is a very tricky tightrope to walk, and I think it mostly succeeds. I also think that similarly to OK Computer, it's concerns which are 22 years old are today's concerns and I think Radiohead are masters at that kind of prescience, tapping into subjects, ideas, concerns that are only really just becoming apparent to them and will be much bigger deals later on. Similar to the way that you felt, or said you felt on the episode, Lucas, about Origin of Symmetry by Muse. This is one of my favourite albums of all time, but I have to be in a certain kind of mood to put it on. This isn't the Radiohead album that i reach for when i want comfort or entertainment but i think that speaks to how successfully it pulls off the things it's trying to achieve so in my lowlights i've put tree fingers because that's kind of a cheat because it's the least kind of song i get to put it in there and if steve gets to have it in his highlights i get to have it in my lowlights hell yeah um optimistic is also in my lowlights just does less for me and it's not to say that i dislike the song i like it a lot performed live recently especially it's a it's an absolute banger my highlights morning bell and how to disappear completely but honestly everything everything that's the right place should be in there idiotech should be in there uh in limbo should be in there. motion picture soundtrack honestly i, I love this album so much so probably not a surprise to you that i'm gonna give it A one out of ten.
3: Mm. Uh, Sorry,
0: I mistyped. Ten out of ten uh, from me there. Um, Does that surprise you? No. I I think I said in the first episode it's my favourite Radiohead album, right?
2: Yeah, and I think you might have said about how all of them are ten except for one. (laughs) No, that's not true. That's not? not
1: true. Um. No, I think you said that everyone, all of them from, from OK Computer onwards, bar one, were a 10 out of
0: 10. No, people. that's not true. Which that's not true. You're, you're misquoting to me. The theme, but
2: I'm just put Having that
0: said that, so two things about this. One, that's three 10 out of 10 albums for me in a row uh, from one artist. That's quite impressive. Um, and also, I think I've changed my mind. I think OK Computer is my favourite Radiohead album. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to flip-flop between OK Computer and Kid A. I'm not sure. I just, the deep dive we did on OK Computer compared to the deep dive we did on Kid A just made me, just, uh, OK Computer might just edge out Kid A. Yeah. Mm, There Mm. you go. Guys, as discussed previously, it charted at number one. In the UK and the US, their first ever US number one album. In the UK, it had the biggest first day sales of the year at 55,000 copies on just October the 2nd. However, once the content of the
2: album became apparent, that slowed down. Yeah, so everyone went, new Radiohead album, oh my god, I love OK Computer. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. By June 2001, so eight months after it had come out, it had sold 310,000 copies in the UK, which is a hit, but it's less than a third of what OK Computer had sold by that point. Mm. Critical reception. What do you think the
2: critical reception was like? That's an interesting one. Very positive. I don't think it would have been. I think that people would... The opposite. Go on, Adam. I think it's. I think the fairest thing you can say is
0: that it was a little mixed, right? Um, little mixed, and I think this was
2: this was <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> Partly down to expo- expectations, like a lot of the pre-release articles of like when is the new Radiohead album coming or whatever, they were saying things like they were expecting rousing, cathartic, lots of guitar, Saturday Night at Glastonbury, big future rock moments. Um One article said, if there's one band that promises to return to Rock Us, it's Radiohead. (laughs) Rock Us. When critics heard it, they were confused by the lack of guitars, the weird, indistinct vocals and the odd song structures. It was described in some publications as a commercial suicide note. Uh, In its review of the album Mojo, the music magazine said it was just awful. The Guardian called it a mystifying experience that pandered to the worst cliches about Radiohead's relentless miserabilism. The Irish Times said it was willfully esoteric and wantonly unfathomable. Previous Mm. guest of this podcast, Mark Beaumont, said it was tubby, ostentatious, self-congratulatory, look Mar, I can suck my own cock, whiny old rubbish. Rolling Stone said it was a work of deliberately inky, often irritating obsession, but this is... Pop. A music of ornery, glistening guile and honest ache, and it will feel good under your skin once you let it get there. Spin said it was not the act of career suicide or feat of self-indulgence that it will be castigated as, and predicted that fans would recognise it as Radiohead's best and bravest album. Pitchfork gave it a perfect 10 in a very famous review that itself had a big influence on music journalism. And because it was one of the first reviews of Kid A to actually be published because it was online and not print-based, this album and its review of it helped put Pitchfork on the map. Um, Interviewed because of the obvious connection, the co-founder of Warp Records, Rob Mitchell, said that he liked the album and that it wasn't gratuitously electronic, and it seemed to be a good interpretation of those Warp influences. What he actually said was, it's very brave for a band like Radiohead to do something like this, as a lot of people are going to react badly to it. But maybe one day, you might look at it the same way you look at David Bowie's Heroes or Low, because a lot of people didn't appreciate his change of direction when he made it, but now those records are regarded as his finest. Um. The enemy ultimately said in their contemporary review, Time will judge it, but right now, Kid A has the ring of a lengthy, over mistake. Seems a bit
1: silly, doesn't it?
0: It does seem uh, a bit silly, and I'll tell you what, Time did judge it. Even just by the end of the year 2000, it was appearing on most publications' best of the year lists, including... All of the publications that had given it that initial negative review. And now, in the future, in 2022, it's widely regarded as one of the best albums of all time. Numerous music journalists have kind of said, Oh, we were wrong about uh we were wrong about that one. Yeah. <laughs> um People were saying that like they had been caught up in the challenge of the record. And now that that had passed, they were able to see it as the brave leap forward that it actually was. And there was also the notion that the negative reviews came from what's called rockism, or rock snobbery, which is a long-held belief in music journalism from the 70s to the early 2000s that rock music was just better because it was, and that's that, and how dare Radiohead make anything other than rock music. Um. And also, all of these journalists and critics had flown over to cover the Mediterranean tour desperate to have any Radiohead news and came away with favourites of the new stuff that they were playing only to find out that they weren't even on Kid A. So people were like, oh, I love that one with the the piano and the strings or I love that one that builds to this huge crescendo or, you know, uh, I love that one that sounds a bit like the Smiths and none of them were on Kid A. Um, it also just seemed to take a little time to get it, and I think that is the initial wave, like that—that that kind of what prompted the initial wave of corrections when publications actually published re-reviews of the album, yeah. <laughs> saying, "Ah, we're going to review this one again because I think we were maybe wrong about this one," which is a fascinating phenomena. I can't think of another album that that's happened to. Can Can you guys? No, I can't. No. Further into the future and looking at it now, I have my own take uh which is new for this podcast. Usually my takes are just inherited from things I've read. Um I think this probably sounded very alien in the year two thousand. The the narrator or the narrators mm. that Tom inhabits are emotionally numb and disconnected from reality or humanity and kind of exist in that electronic digital space and that's not very two thousands of you guys, you know however, that's exactly the world that we live in now with social media and everything having to be a soundbite or a headline and the only way to not have it destroy you is to become numb or block it out you know, that's the world that Kide exists in And that world is today. So the album has aged really well and become more relatable as time has passed, leading to a larger appreciation of its tone and themes. And of course, we should talk about how it encouraged other bands to follow this path To varying degrees, we talked about OK Computer not really having any successes. Kid A's got loads. Maybe not in terms of a total reinvention of a rock band like we saw here, but definitely in terms of rock bands feeling it was more acceptable to use electronic composing techniques and instruments in songs. Radiohead, not the first to do it, of course. Not the last to do it, obviously. But certainly the biggest to do it in the way that they did. In fact, bands reinventing their sound has come to be known as Doing a Kid A. I've heard that. When Kanye released 808s and Heartbreaks, which was a departure for him, it was called The Kid A of Hip Hop. Something bold, brave, and divisive. And the state of pop and rock music today probably owes a lot to Kid A, and it just took a little bit of a while to get there. And it's now been said that it was the first album since the aforementioned Low by David Bowie to have moved rock and electronic music forward. Some people didn't necessarily change their opinion on how much they enjoyed the album, but did show it more respect. Mark Beaumont said in 2011, Kid A's status as a cultural cornerstone has proved me, if not wrong, then very much in the minority. People whose opinions I trust claim it to be their favourite album ever. Lead singer of Talking Heads and all-round absolute fucking legend, David Byrne, said, What was really weird and very encouraging was that Kid A was popular. It was a hit. It proved to me that the artistic risk paid off and music fans sometimes are not stupid. Um, (laughs) In retrospect, its use of the internet for promotion and distribution of music may have been why it got those initial reviews and kind of either predicted or kicked off the culture of music criticism that we have now, which is to go online, stream it once, have the quickest opinion you can possibly have in order to create up-to-date content, hopefully be the first to post that content, and then just move on to the next big album that's out that week. Journalists for Kid A got the album at the same time as fans, instead of having it months ahead of time on their own CD that they could give loads of listens to. And this is an album that we have said, and we kind of all agree, requires a number of pretty dedicated listens. And journalists didn't necessarily have that before their initial reviews. Of course, similar again to OK Computer, Radiohead were pretty removed from all of this. With OK Computer, we talked about how they absolutely did not set out to record one of the greatest albums of all time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they didn't sit down and go, right, lads, it's time to record one of the greatest albums of all time. It was just five guys vibing in a haunted house. And similarly for Kid A, they denied that they had set out to create difficult music when the question was aimed at them. They were just trying to emote in the way that they felt was most uh, sort of applicable to them at the time. Tom said, we're actually trying to communicate, but somewhere along the line we just seem to piss off a lot of people. What we're doing isn't that radical. Which I think is an important point. What they were doing, in terms of music, not that radical, just radical for a rock band. Because I don't know if you know this, guys, rock bands didn't sound like this.
2: Not like this. Not like this. Not not like
0: this. Not like this. (laughs) (laughs) He did say that he regretted not releasing singles uh, because journalists you know they got at least a couple of early listens in a room somewhere before the actual audience so he felt a big part of the initial judgment of the album came in their articles rather than from a taste of the music itself the the questions about whether or not they were intending to be difficult results in one of my favourite Johnny Greenwood quotes of all time, though, uh, which is when he said that uh, what they were doing wasn't even really that difficult and that, quote, people basically want their hands held through 12 Mull of Kin tires," which is <laughs> an excellent that is quote. That's <laughs> great. Oh. Um, it has, of course, appeared on numerous greatest albums of all time lists, including the one that we always talk about, the infamous Rolling Stone Top 500 Albums. Uh, it's at number 20. Uh, and that's kind of where we sit with it today. It's regarded as, you know, it's very, very highly regarded. Step back into the context of the time. At its release on October the 2nd, 2000, They finished up the last four dates of their UK and Ireland tour, and then they played three dates in theatres in North America in October. New York, Toronto, LA, that's it. The Kid A tour was 17 dates in Europe in ancient amphitheatres before the album came out, 21 dates in Europe and the UK in their own big tent, only four of which at the end of that tour took place after the release of the album, and then three theatres in North America. Which means in America, they only played those three shows in the space of three years and two months. That's your lot. That's it. That's all you get. That's it. After those three dates in October, they took the rest of the year off. Done. And that's where we'll leave them. But before we leave entirely, all of that that we talked about and discussed and heard was that music. Difficult music. Good music that's somewhat difficult. I think it was excellent music that becomes less and less difficult the more you listen to it. i going to have to listen to
2: it more, aren't I? Exactly. See you in 15 years. 15 years' time, Adam, i we be here. <laughs> Weeping. Um,
0: <laughs> and that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you very much for listening. Our next episode is out next Monday. So... Come and join us for that. But before you do, come and let us know what you think of Kid A, all the business surrounding it, how you first heard it, or of anything that we've talked about in this episode. You can find us on Twitter at What Is whatismusicpod, Instagram at What Is whatismusicpod, TikTok at What Is Music. and if you'd like to send in something a little bit longer and maybe have us read it out on the show, you can email us whatismusicpod at gmail.com. We also have a couple of ways you can support us, other than listening, if you would like to. One is to buy our merchandise. If you go to What Is Pod dot redbubble.com you'll find some stupid designs and one John Major one. If you'd like to just chuck us a few quid you can go to coffee.com which is ko hyphen fi.com slash what is music. All donations very gratefully received and go towards our running costs. That about does it. Thank you again for listening. Before you go please don't leave me hi don't leave me. Bye. bye. Goodbye. It's it's closer. Yeah. I'll give you that.
4: See?